Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Andy Shea. Ross will be along in a little bit. Andy, how you doing, my friend? Good, Jim. How are you in this midsummer heat wave weekend of July? I'm very good, Andy. And like I will always say when we hit the heat wave in summer, would you be happier if it were in the teens with half a foot of snow? My answer is no, never. So I am not going to complain about the heat. I will embrace it, Andy. I will take it. Let's get right to the news, Andy, and a couple things have come up this week, a couple interesting things, even though we're kind of in the dead zone, dead period of the offseason. One of the things that starts coming up now are the, they have these award nominations where, oh, they dominate about 100 different players for any specific award. And Sean Clifford's name has now come up a few times for the Davey O'Brien Award, which is for the best quarterback. He's also on the Maxwell Award list, which goes to, you know, the best quarterback. But it led me to to wonder, Andy, just what are we getting with Sean Clifford or what do we expect from him? And I've talked, other times I've made the statement, oh, you know, He's now in his 13th year with the program, and so we know what we're going to get. But the fact is, I honestly don't know what we're going to get with a Sean Clifford. I think that's the problem. So I'll ask you, what are your expectations for him this season? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, a couple of uh, rabid Penn State uh, people that I know have have texted me something similar or reached out to me something similar this week of like, you know, Sean's getting nominated on all these watch lists and coming out. What, is he supposed to be really good now or something? What's going on? And, and it's fascinating, like, sort of the, you know, the relationship that Penn State fans have with Sean Clifford as a starting quarterback. And some of it is for duly and justified. The 2020 season was, that was hard to endure if, if you're a fan from your quarterback. It was just not good. It was not good at all. But... You know, sometimes he came back for the sixth year and you were like, well, now he's got to earn the job. No, it's James Franklin. He's going to be your starter. Come on. Franklin wants a quarterback that he knows and can trust. But sometimes for me, what I'm looking at is is you look at a couple things on the big picture. He's got 30-something starts. He's approaching 8,000 yards passing. 62 touchdowns is a lot. But what I look at is coming off, you know, he had, he had a really good 2019 coming off a bad, really bad, bad, bad 2020 with another new offensive coordinator out of the gate, the first five games, and then up into the Iowa game when he was healthy and was not either injured slash hurt slash trying to play when he probably shouldn't have, et cetera, et cetera. He was, that was the best string of ball as Penn State's quarterback, in my opinion. Starting 2021 season until he got hurt was Penn, was Sean Clifford's best run as the Penn State quarterback. Coming This coming off his absolute worst run as the Penn State quarterback with another 
new offensive coordinator. So I don't – one thing I lean on is if he's healthy, he can still be that quarterback, and you cannot value enough. I can't properly quantify for you the value of Mike Yersich and Sean Clifford having an actual full offseason as offensive coordinator and quarterback together. It's so valuable to both of them. So my expectation is you should expect healthy and whole and a full off season with these two guys together in regular times, not in COVID ball. You should have high expectations for Sean Clifford as a quarterback. That's the way I, I explained it to him. And I'm like, you just, you know, what you saw was what in 2021 at the beginning of the season before he got hurt is what you should expect and where he should start in 2022. That's just my two cents on it. I'll give my glass half full spin, but for a different reason. And I brought this up before. I'm leaning a bit on uh, what I got from T, our buddy T. Frank Carr from our show, who has said where Sean Clifford struggles is when he's under pressure. Now, every quarterback will perform worse while under pressure, but it's especially the case with Sean Clifford. And when you have a poor offensive line and a quarterback who doesn't do well under pressure, that's a bad combination. My feeling is that the offensive line will be better. Now, be careful. I'm not saying they're going to be great, Andy, but I think even an average offensive line will do wonders for Sean Clifford. And I think another year of Mike Yursich under his belt, knowing what he has with Sean Clifford, will help him design the offense in such a way as to take advantage of what Sean Clifford can do and keep him away from things that he can't do. So I am looking for a big season from Sean Clifford. Uh, let's move on to our, our next topic, Andy. And this is one, I, I absolutely love this. I love it, I love it, I love it. Pitt coach Pat Narduzzi, okay? They, he was on a podcast this week, and he was talking about their bowl game against Michigan State. Now, we learned with Penn State's bowl game, that's a very different team when you have uh, players opting out. Sure. They had Kenny Pickett, their excellent quarterback, opt out. And he says Pitt would have, Michigan State's butt would have been kicked. Pitt would have butt kicked Michigan State if Kenny Pickett were, were playing. He he does he fails to mention that Kenneth Walker, their Michigan State's all-world running back, also was not playing. Uh, so and then the quote that really really struck me though, Andy, was this one: "That was one of the best Big Ten teams last year." Then let's go to the Big Ten and win it every year. Is is Pat Narduzzi a buffoon or what, Andy? So. Pat Narduzzi has a really bad case of Napoleon syndrome, right? Like he plays the us versus them card. No matter who the, who the them is, it doesn't matter. Like they are always the underdog us. He's, he's got a terrible, horrible Napoleon complex. I mean, winning the ACC championship, you know, Clemson plays in the ACC. Winning the ACC championship. Sending a quarterback who gets drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. 
that's all, none of that seems enough to cover up his fatal flaw of us versus them and we have Napoleon syndrome at the University of Pittsburgh. He, he's, he can't help shooting his mouth off and he can't help saying stupid stuff because he actually thinks that they are a, a redheaded stepchild in college football. But here's the crazy part is Pat's 53 and 37 as a head coach, right? At Pitt, him and Franklin are kind of, you know, they're on similar. They took over the programs kind of at the same time. They're, they've got, you know, their body of work at the two Pennsylvania institutions are about the same. I don't know. Is a, is a nearly 600 winning percentage, is that bad? I he, he almost like he can't ever prove himself as a head coach. Here's the crazy part. James Franklin's winning percentage percentage at Penn State is 663. I mean, is that a huge gap between him and Narduzzi in terms of performance of their teams at, in their careers as their head coaches under guard? That's not a huge gap, guys. So the problem is Pat is a narcissist and Pat has a really bad case of Napoleon syndrome. And he does not have the conjecture or the wherewithal inside of him to sort of show that, like, well, we are actually good enough. We are actually accomplishing something. It's almost like he has to play the, like, we are the underdog and the us versus them. You're the defending ACC champions. Well, we would have beat Michigan State by 21 if we'd have had our guy. Well, so what? Who cares? It's irrelevant. It's just... He makes me crazy. It just put a put a stock in his hole under his nose, and Pitt will be much better off for it. Week in and season in and season out. And he's he's not a bad coach. He's not a great coach, but he's not terrible. Well, let me let me give you a couple thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, and I think we all have to be aware with the changing uh, college football landscape. Yes. He wants Pitt to get into the Big Ten, okay? If you're left out, you know, this next, if there is that next shuffle where you end up having two major conferences, uh, Pitt could very well end up being on the outside looking in. So any time where he could say, stretch the truth and make it sound like they would be competitive in the Big Ten, he's going to take advantage of that. Where I think he goes wrong in a couple things, I'm not sure the comparison. It's apples and oranges between right. he and James Franklin. They're it in is. different conferences. James Franklin was dealing with sanctions when he first got here. There, there's so many differences. The ACC had essentially one good team, Clemson. Clemson was down last year. Pitt took advantage of it. And they had Kenny Pickett with a spectacular season, as you said, turned into a first-round pick. Let's see Nardizzi do something without Kenny Pickett. But when he's, if he would have phrased this quite differently, I would have liked to have seen how we would have done with Kenny Pickett in that game. Not this, oh, we would have kicked their butt. Then this, gee, you know, we played a very good team from the Big Ten. I think we're competitive with that type of team. I'd like to see how we do in that conference, I think would be competitive. Not, let's go win it every year. Really? How about going win this sucky ACC conference more than once before claiming multiple Big Ten titles? And oh, by the way, 
there's this team in the Big Ten that goes by the name of Ohio State. I think you might have a little trouble getting through Columbus. Or you might have a little trouble getting through Ann Arbor on a consistent basis, right? Ann like, Arbor and State College and yeah, Madison. It's yes. It's, it's a it's a it's a better conference for a reason, but if he's trying to sell his program to position himself to help Pitt gain entry into the Big Ten conference, he's torpedoing his own ship. I mean, he's just making himself look like a, a, a hanger-on beggar by saying stuff like that. He, he's not doing his program a, a, a service by trying to position itself to not get left behind and run over as the landscape of college football is shifting. Exactly, Andy, exactly the case. All right, that is it for quarter number one in the news. Stick around. We have Ross Tucker coming in for quarter number two. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hockettsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. It's quarter number two. And that means we welcome in Ross Tucker. Ross, my buddy, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Jim. Ready to talk some Penn State football. Let's do it. All right. We've been doing your rankings of the class of 22. Typically, when we get done with that, we do the special end of that series segment where we put out the ranking and you get to review it. You get to do a do-over if you want on any of these. We're going to do that next week. 
and I'm going to post those rankings so that our listeners could take a look at it. You could comment on it. Go to the Ask Ross button. You could send in a question or comment on that. Would love to hear your take on Ross's rankings. But this week, we're going to talk about some of the class of 23. It was such a great recruiting week last week. We couldn't go by without getting Ross's thoughts on these three players. Let's get right to it, Ross. Let's start with London Montgomery. He's the running back from Scranton. And that Penn State brought in first of the three. He's been going up in rankings over the last several months. Became, I think, a priority for Penn State. What do you know about London Montgomery? Yeah, the one thing I would say that's interesting about London is, you know, he didn't really have that many offers during the season, his junior season. And then he started to get more and more in the offseason which is always kind of interesting to me. Um, Sometimes that is because they want to see what he looks like physically. Sometimes that's because schools are wimps and they want somebody else to offer, you know, uh, at their same level to offer first. Sometimes the guy runs track and runs a good time. And I do think London Montgomery, correct me if I'm wrong, Jim, I think he's a sub 11 second hundred. Uh, which is fast. I mean, if you're if you're under 100, uh, under 11 seconds in the 100 meters, you can really run. Well, there's no doubt his speed is one of his great assets, and I I just assumed that was the situation, Ross. That uh, teams wanted to justify or make sure it was real his speed before offering him. So, yeah, he ran a 10.8500. So that's that's really fast. I will say this, though, Jim. I think this is important to point out. If you run a 10-8-500, you're fast. Okay, he's clearly fast. But he doesn't play as fast as Nick Singleton did. I don't know that Singleton ever broke 11 in the 100. But, in other words, I just wanted to point out, if you, you know, 100-meter times, 40 times, those matter. But there's no doubt in my mind. Here's the thing. A lot of that is dependent on how good your start is, right? But yet when you're a football player, that's not how it goes. You don't you don't have like a you're not in a four-point stance in like a sprinter stance to start. You're catching a pitch and you're gone, right? So there are guys that definitely play faster than their times, other guys that play slower than their times. He has an average wiry frame. With the potential to add size, really good speed. I think he lists on his Twitter handle, he lists him as 5'11", a buck 90. So this is not a 215, 220-pound singleton, or even the other kid they got, what's his name, Katron Allen, I think. Katron Allen. Yeah. So this is not a bigger-bodied guy. Um, He has really good speed. You know, anytime you see him get in the open field, he's pulling away from defenders. I would say the thing that jumped out to me the most about London, and I know a lot about him, Jim, and I watched a lot of him in November, early, yeah, late November, because they played uh, my high school, Why Missing, in the state quarterfinals, and I was very concerned. I was very worried watching London. Uh, he has 
excellent body control, really good vision, and lateral agility. You know, he reminds me of Miles Sanders. That's who he reminds me of. Similar running style, similar sort of always in control, moving fast, but doesn't look like they're really going that fast. And has the ability to both break tackles, which he does, and make defenders miss. I also like the fact that he's willing to get down and dirty and willing to be physical when he has to. And look, Miles Sanders was the number one ranked running back in the country and a five stars. That's a pretty good comparison for London Montgomery because that is the comparison. I think, I think Miles caught more passes in high school than did London. But, um, you know, the, the, one of the differences between those two guys, though, Miles Sanders did it at a high, higher level of competition in the Whippeal 5A Woodland Hills than Lennon Montgomery 3A up in Scranton Wilkes-Barre. So the competition is a little bit different. And uh, I had down here, why missing flu, question mark, because I watched that game and they gave him the ball the first three plays and then we never saw him again. And he got he got smacked real good on the last play. So I was joking that he had the Y missing flu until Jim I found out supposedly he broke his arm. Supposedly it was legit. I don't know which one of our guys, maybe Tommy Grabowski. I know you're a big Tommy Grabowski guy, Jim. I don't know which one of our guys hit him, but supposedly he broke his arm. And uh, that's why he didn't come back in the game. So I'm joking about the why missing flu, although I would have liked to have seen how well he could have performed in the rest of that game against a team like that. A couple quick notes, uh, Ross. Uh, any defender named Grabowski, I'm going to be a fan of. Let's start with that. And it was killing you. You couldn't wait to talk about the why I'm missing flu, right? <laughs> Listen, they're my favorite team. I like the Eagles, love Penn State. Why I'm missing is my squad and always will be. I'm ride or die with them. And guess what? We're going to be good again this year, which is awesome. I'll tell you what, Ross. I will never be critical of you for following the high school team. I'm Berwick Bulldog through and through. I get it. All right, let's get to the linebackers. Uh, I'm going to lump them together. Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson. They committed on back-to-back -back days, uh, both very highly rated linebackers. A little bit different uh, in size, though, with these two linebackers. Very different. Very different. And I, I enjoyed watching both these guys. These are good players. You know, Tony Rojas plays D-end, sort of stand-up outside linebacker for his high school, which makes a lot of sense. It enables him to get in the backfield a lot more and wreak more havoc. So he's always on the edge of the line of scrimmage. That's, that's how he, he lines up on the edge of the line of scrimmage. Really good explosiveness off the snap. He actually has impressive hand usage for a high school player to get the offensive tackles off of him. He'll extend his arms and long arm him, or he'll just use his hands to get them off of him. Great bend at the top of his rush 
to be able to corner and get to the quarterback. You know, when you're running around the edge, Jim, you kind of have to like bend and come backwards, right? Because the quarterback is stepping up. So you really got to be able to corner. Um, you know, we used to do a figure eight drill so that you're, you get used to really leaning in there and bending and getting low. When I played D-end as a freshman in college, by the way, he has superb closing speed and great long speed chasing plays down from behind. He chased a lot of plays down from behind. Really good closing speed when he sees the quarterback or the running back. The questions I have for him are size. I think I saw somewhere where he's listed like 6'1", 200 or 6'1", 205, something like that. So size... Those are the two I saw, 200 or 205. Right. I'm never really worried about weight, though. That's plenty. He'll be 225, no problem. But... He's got to be at least six one. You get to be six foot, it's harder to put that weight on. Um, so the questions are the size, um, and then off the ball reads, just the ability to to read what the offense is doing off the ball. Some guys have never done it before and they end up being real good. Some guys have never done it before and it's a problem. Okay, then uh, let's take a look at Tamir Robinson. Stud. So it's hard to tell a little bit with where they, the camera is for his, his high school team's games. But he appears to have a good frame and growth potential. What is he, like 6'2", 6'3", maybe? 225? Yes. I thought I saw like 230, but yeah, that sounds he about was right. much bigger than Rojas. Yeah, that, I like... Trying to be able to guess. That would be a fun game that I would enjoy is guessing height and weight just based on watching them on video, you know? But I, I would have guessed a good 6'2", maybe 6'3", maybe even 6'4", but probably not. 225, 230. So, but he appears to have a good frame and growth potential. He definitely, and you can see this on the video, has long arms and legs, long limbs, which is good. Because he can use those long arms as a pass rusher. And he's just such a long strider. This kid, Jim, is an athlete. He is incredibly versatile. On like a three-minute video, okay, I saw him rush off the edge with burst and terrific hands against the pass protector, against the offensive lineman. Then I saw him intercept the pass in the end zone as a middle-of-the-field safety. He's playing middle-of-the-field safety. He reads the quarterback's eyes, rolls over there, gets a pick. That is legit for his size and wanting him to be um, a, a, a guy that can play in coverage, even at a bigger weight in college. Then I saw him play off a block as a nickel linebacker to make a tackle. Saw him rushing for touchdowns as a running back, throwing touchdowns as a quarterback. Then he lines up at wide receiver, and they throw him fades for touchdowns. My question for him is position. You know, what position does he end up at at Penn State? Sort of the same thing I would say for Rojas. Not a lot of evidence of him making off-the-ball reads. This kid is essentially, in my mind, Jim, Micah Parsons Light. That is not a bad comparison. And real quick, Ross, I looked him up. I get a listing of him at 6'4", 225. 
That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. In quarter number three, we're going to take your questions and we're going to ask Ross. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Ross Tucker. And it's time for Ask Ross. This is where we're going to take your questions for Ross. The best question wins the KSN Polo. If you want to submit a question for Ross, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask Ross button, and there you go. Ross, my friend, are we ready for the questions? Ready. All right, let's see. Let's go to Chad in Kansas City. First question, I'm heading to Alaska with my family on Saturday. What was your favorite meal while you were there? Please explain in vivid detail to help me get ready. My second question is, Ross Tucker's been named Penn State offensive line coach. What immediate changes would you make, and what long-term changes would you make for the team? Everyone want to make, wants to make you the offensive line coach, Ross. I get that question. I feel like I get that exact same question like every other week. Um, my question for you, Jim. You know, now we do this audio, but I get to see you because we're kind of like yes. on a Zoom. Why do you lift your glasses up to read? I, you don't need those glasses to read? Well, I actually technically need like trifogals, Ross. There's like reading distance, computer distance, and regular distance. 
I can't even wear bifocals without tripping and falling, so I have different glasses for everything. When I'm reading this, my print is so small, I have to get up close, which I do without glasses on, okay? God, okay, I just noticed, because a lot of people your age, they have glasses really just for reading. I'm, I'm the opposite. I need glasses for everything else, and just as a quick aside, at my age, I'm not going to take offense to that, Ross, but getting older can be a bitch. So a lot, a lot of things fail on you. Yeah, so, oh, man, um, that would be almost impossible to answer um, the best meal in Alaska because the cruise boat we were on had a chef um, who made every meal, and they were just... Every one, Jim, was delicious. Like, I mean, every meal was remarkably scrumptious. So that would be hard to answer. I will say we had a lot of fish, um, a lot of uh, scallops, shrimp, a lot of salmon, uh, halibut, which is big up in Alaska. And I really, I really enjoy fish. I like fish. I'm glad it's healthy for you because I like... You know, it's so funny, Jim. I despised fish and like salads, even through my 20s, even through college. Never, ever, ever did I touch either one. Now, those are like my two favorite things to eat. I don't know how that happens or when, but I really enjoy both of those, which I think is interesting. Um, as for the changes I would make, right away if I was the Penn State offensive line coach. I never really know how to answer that because I never know exactly what it is that Phil Troutwine is teaching them. You know, I'm, I'm not at the practices, so I don't, I don't know how to change what, what they're doing, not knowing exactly what they're doing. Um... I think I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive in everything they do. I think I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive in pass protection. I'd like to see some more short sets or jump sets. And I would like to see them finish better. I don't think they finish as well as I would like to see them finish, which I think matters. You know, that that's important. That's, uh, that's sort of your calling card of who you are as an offensive line coach. It's the personality of your group and how they finish plays. Ross, when I've learned a lot from you about following the offensive line. When I watch a game now, the tape of it, I'll re-watch any big play, even if it's a negative, like, say, with the sack. Am I wrong in, in remembering that it felt like there was mental mistakes when a big play happened? I'd usually find myself looking and seeing two offensive linemen blocking one guy while one defender comes in free. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, Jim, that's totally unacceptable in the NFL. Like, it, it just almost never happens. And if it does, you're kind of, there's a good chance you're gone unless you're really, really good, really good. It's a little bit more common in college – but I would really struggle with that because to me that is unacceptable because that's something you can control ahead of time.
before you actually even go out there on the field. So that is something that um, I would really, really struggle with. Let's go to Kevin in Milwaukee. Uh, hey, Ross, seeing as how 2023 offensive tackle commit Javon Williams goes to your high school, why a missing? I'm curious if you've gotten a chance to see him play live, and if so, what are your thoughts on him? He recently got a ratings bump from 24-7 Sports. He's now rated the 44th best player in the country. My second question is this. Living in Milwaukee, I consume a lot of bratwurst. With all of our food talk on here, I'm wondering where the brat ranks on your food hierarchy. Very, very high. So let's start with Javen. Um, I told the story on here before, right, Jim? He uh, Have we had him on the show? I don't think we've had him on the show, but you've told the story of him reaching out to you. Oh, yeah. We can, first I, of all, we can, easily, we can easily get him on the show. Secondly, he emailed me last May. He emailed RossTucker.com. And said, Mr. Tucker, my name is Javen Williams. I'm a sophomore at Y Missing. I'd like to play college football. I was aware of him because his older brother was a senior, uh, Richard Williams, and um, was a starter for Y Missing. And I knew that when Y Missing was killing people like they normally do, that they would bring in the backup. And the, there was a backup O lineman that looked just like Richard. And it was his younger brother as a sophomore that was just as big. It was crazy. So spoke to Javen, watched his video. You could tell he had some physical ability, but long way to go. I told him some things that were important for video, uh, primarily initial quickness off the snap and finishing blocks. And... Then he, he had a really good start to the season. He had a video, Jim. I redid the video for him because I know what college coaches are looking for. Texted it to a bunch of people after three games or four games. And within a week and a half, he had at least 10 scholarship offers. Pitt, West Virginia, Boston College. Penn State was probably like a week in. Michigan, I mean, he had Rutgers. He had a lot very quickly. Uh, what makes him so special, he's extremely explosive. He set the state record in the shot put uh, as a junior in the state championship and won it. He won the state championship in both discus and shot put. He moves incredibly well for his size. So he's 300 pounds, but we run the wing tee offense, Jim, and he pulls all over the place. And he's very athletic and agile. He's very light on his feet. And here's the thing that's really crazy, Jim. He doesn't turn 17 until August 30th. He's still 16. There are a number of 2024 prospects that are older than him. A number. So he's the 10th best prospect as of 2023. I can't even imagine what he would be if he was a, I mean, he might be the number one prospect in the country as of 2024. So we got to get him on the show. What was the second? Oh, brats. Oh, man. Uh, brats are real high. I love doing Packers games because 
They always have brats in the press box. It's actually been a couple years since I've been at Lambeau for whatever reason. And it's the best press box food in the league for my money, primarily because of those brats. Brats plus spicy mustard, it's just so good. It's just so good. Now, I will say this. It'd be nice if, like, fish and salad, they were healthy. Like, why can't we just... Why couldn't... Like, why couldn't God or society or whatever have just made one packaged meat product really healthy for you? That would have been nice, Jim. And brats would have been a good choice. Help me out here. Um, what you're telling me is bratwurst aren't healthy for you? Evidently you're saying? No. Oh, man. That really uh, hurts me. I, I have one of my best friends uh, was from Wisconsin, and we went to see Penn State play Wisconsin in Madison, and I don't think I ate anything other than brats the entire weekend, Ross, and I do not regret it. Let's move on. Let's get to uh, Douglas in Ellicott City, Maryland. Who do you think will lead Penn State in sacks this year? Deesa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Deny Dennis Sutton, Smith Vilbert, or possibly a defensive tackle? Good question. Really good question. I think I might go with Deesa Isaac. You know, he really flashed a couple years ago, and they were really excited about him this past year until he had that injury. Tough for me to know where he's coming back. With that injury, but I, I'm gonna. I think it'll be. I don't know enough about Chop Robinson. I think it would be Adisa Isaac or Smith Vilbert. Didn't Smith Vilbert have several in the bowl game, like in his first start? Yes, but uh, at least I think he had three in the first half. But one of them was he was the closest guy as the quarterback went out of bounds. Um, you know, so he had. Like I said, he had three in the first half. But I'm not sure we could read a lot into that. You know, you, you tell me. Are, are sacks always the absolute definitive way you rate what a defensive end could do as far as putting pressure on No, I really think it's pass rush win rate. How often they win on their rush. And then any sort of disruption, whether it's a pressure, a quarterback hit, a sack, any type of any type of pressure is production. Exactly. All right, Ross, that is it for quarter number three. Stick around. Quarter number four, Andrew P. Shea is back. And we're going to announce our winner of who gets that KSN polo. And don't forget, look out for our listing of Ross's rankings of the 2023 commits. Would love to hear your questions on it. Stick around for quarter number four. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. 
featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno. This beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Andy Shea. And it's quarter number four. Andy, back for more. We have to clean up a little administrative work here first. Quarter number three, we did our Ask Ross segment, and we have a winner of the KSN Polo, and that is Douglas from Ellicott City in Maryland. Douglas, we will be reaching out to you uh, about your win and getting shirt size and address and all that from you. All right, Andy, the last several weeks we've spent doing our positional analysis of the team for next year. The thing is, there's another big part to the team, and that's the coaching staff. So I thought it'd be fun, similar to how we were analyzing the position players, let's do that with the coaching staff. Let's start with the set of offensive coaches. We've got five to get through here. Let's stop at start at the top. Offensive coordinator Mike Yursich. He came in with an excellent reputation. He replaced Kirk Scirocco after one year. How do you think he did in his first year? So I think he's got some chops, and I think he is extremely creative. I I will be happier to see him play more than half a season with his quarterback one not injured, hurt, limited, shouldn't probably be playing. I mean, that was a factor to this offense overall, and this is, I don't mean his offense, I mean Penn State's offense overall. They they underperformed and, and they had a they had a massive problem along the offensive line. I would call the running back contribution to the offense sluggish. They had an injury at quarterback, so the combination of those three, that took a big time bite out of this offense, big time. So he in year one, you gotta make your head coach happy. Right, you got to do that to keep your job, and I saw some of that in year one. You could see it from knowing what he does and what he's got and what he can do, and so I think as you enter year two, I think he did a good job managing this offense in year one. I really did. 
I think it, in year two, it, he's going to add it, – it's his job to add another level of pop to this offense, and it comes on the scoreboard, right? They need to do their part in terms of complementary football for this defense. The Penn State offense in 2022 needs to be part of the solution when you're talking about complementary football and this team performance on the field. And the last couple of years – and he's only part of one of it. The last couple of years, the offense has been lagging on that front, and that is now his responsibility to bring that uh, bring that element to Penn State's offense to make it more part of the solution and be a complimentary part. I think that's his priority and job number one. But I I will say it again. I, I think he's got some serious chops, and I think he is extremely creative. You 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 went through year one. You got to please your coach. Let's see a little bit more of a little bit of more Mike Yersich touch on this offense in year two. You alluded to it, Andy, and I want to go there next, which is the offensive line. If you have a weak offensive line, it kind of it affects everything you do on offense. It makes the quarterback look bad. It makes the passing game look bad. It makes the running game look bad. And I do believe that was the case last year. There were several issues at offensive line. The question is, Phil Troutwine, who's now been there several years, uh, what can we expect from him and his group this year? I think that's the key to this offense. So I, you said the use the word, what can we expect? I, if you're talking expectations, I'm going to start at the bottom. I want to see, I'm looking for an offensive line group and a little bit of individual development. We're going to have to see how this goes, right? There has to be some heat in his kitchen this year as the O-line coach. He was hired in January 2020 right before COVID, right? Um, Prior to that, he only had two years at BC as an O-line coach. That's all he had on his resume um, before being hired at Penn State. When he was at Davidson, he coached tight ends and was a special teams coordinator for a while. So, the core of Penn State's problems offensively the last two seasons have been centered and focused and mainly, you know, dropped at the feet of the performance of the offensive line. Here's what is weird, Jimmy. Remember in 2020, the second half of that season after they got off to a horrible start, they could run block. Remember? Remember how they won games after that disastrous start? They went old school three yards a little bit in a cloud of dust, leaned on the running backs, and ran the ball. And then in 2021, you essentially had the same core group of dudes, a a good number of them, you know, at least three of them, maybe even like four guys who had played. And you got these guys in 2021, and those guys couldn't run block to get little old men like you and I across the street, Jimmy. I mean, that just dumbfounded me, like, how you could essentially a, a good core group of guys with some talent and now experience and success and they couldn't do it in 21 to save their life, what they had done well to finish in 2020. That disconnect, I have no idea where it comes from. I'm not a coach. I never coached. So I'm just looking at it as I watch the game, and I'm like, there's something going on here. And I, whatever it is, I think he needs to pull it together in 2021. He's got his guys now. It's his time. What scares me with the offensive line, Andy, is – we had a question to Ross today from uh, in our Ask Ross segment. If you were the offensive line coach, what would you be doing? And we get that often, and Ross usually talks about them being more physical. Um, not for me to disagree with Ross, but the interesting thing is when I watch replays of when there were sacks going on, remember last year when we were talking about any time the defense stunted, there was an issue. 
Yep. There were other times where we had four guys blocking one guy one way and one guy doing something else, creating a problem. You had the Villanova uh, defender quoted as saying, one of the offensive linemen was giving away what they were doing. And by the way, I watched replay of the game. I watched it. I could see it on, from the TV broadcast what was happening. There were these mental mistakes. And the other thing that I always point out is it seemed like almost every time there was a sack, it was two offensive linemen blocking one defender while another defender came in free. Those things really concern me because they're mental errors. We've got limited time. I know you want to respond, but I do want to get to everybody else. Let's get to running backs coach Juwan Sider. Um, he's had a very good history at Penn State, bringing in recruits, and he's had success at running back until last year. How do you rate how he's performed? I, I still I think he's done an excellent job all around. As a recruiter and managing, managing what I think is a hot spot in terms of talent acquisition at Penn State. They get running backs. They get dudes they don't have any problem getting talent at the running position. Yeah, you look at last year, and, and to the naked eye, everything tells you that Kevon Lee is performing the best of a struggling group of backs, right? But he also has some bad habit issues, and they linger. And coaches do not like bad habits, right? They don't like them, especially bad habits that linger, because players can work to change that. So my best intuition tells me Noah Kane, who has now transferred to LSU, he was declared fully healthy last year. It, it had to be that there was nothing physically wrong with him. So based on what you know and him being declared totally healthy, you have to ride him as your running back one. It just didn't materialize. Who knows whether it does going forward. Penn State fans aren't going to get to see it, but maybe he has permanently lost a step or two, and maybe permanently he isn't as physical as he was able to be. But that is what it was in 2021. Um but there was really nothing wrong with Noah Kane. I just think Jay Sider knows how to manage running backs. He knows how to coach uh, individual talent. I think he just has to figure out what his pecking order is this year and ride that. And, and he will. He, he's a really good coach, Jimmy. I, I just think he's outstanding, and I think he's found a really good spot. And he's a, a well, well above the board, one of the best recruiters uh, at that position uh, in the country. And I think Nick Singleton is going to make him a better coach. Uh, let's go. Let's go to tight ends coach Ty Howe. It looked like they went into the season saying, "Hey, we've got three very good tight ends here. We've got one of the best tight end rooms in the country." Maybe they did, but we saw issues with blocking, and it didn't look like that they the tight ends were used that as much as they could have been, Andy. Yeah, I think it, I think the tight ends got a little bit lost in the flood. And come on, I mean, they overused Pat Fryermuth a little bit, and then that sort of raised the level of expectation. Mike Kosicki, Pat Fryermuth, two studs. That was your last two main tight ends. It was just a little bit of a transition year. He's a greenhorn, right? I mean, he graduated from Penn State less than a decade ago, so he doesn't have a ton of experience. I I know he can coach blocking. I, I really do. I know that that. Ty can coach blocking and that they need, he needs to work on getting the tight ends to be a more productive group. I, I think he really, they struggle blocking because inherently that they are not good at it, but they did get a little bit better at it. 
I think the tools are there. I think there needs to be a little bit more stability in the offense so that the tight ends can flourish and shine. But I, I can't fully evaluate him. He only had one year, and it was after, you know, like where you run, like I said, was Gasicki and Friermuth, so you kind of expect it. This is a year where he's got to take the tight end position, and it's got to be elevated in this offense a little bit. And I also believe Mike Yursich has to take advantage of using the tight ends more than he had previously. Sure. All right, that leaves us with wide receivers. Taylor Stubblefield, it's hard for me not to talk about wide receiver coaching, Andy, without pointing out, not too long ago, this seemed like a black hole, always an issue, kept changing over. Now it appears to be the most stable position, at least on offense. No, you're you're not wrong. I mean, literally, when he he's entering his third season, when he took over, he inherited a hot, white hot, flaming mess. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Wide receiver coach after wide receiver coach after wide receiver coach, underperforming, underproductive. So, um, he's done, in my opinion, the most outstanding individual position development work on this entire staff. I mean, he's had some clay to mold, but He's also clearly very good at developing and managing talent. Think about this, Jimmy. 2020, he had to put Parker Washington and Keandre Lambert-Smith on the field. They were no way ready to go. And the way he managed that and developed that, and by having to put them on the field when they really shouldn't have been, and they weren't any worse for coming out on the other side, that's really, really, really good coaching. There's development. There's production. It's a win-win scenario across the board. When it comes to Taylor's double field, it, even at the levels that you see on the field and developing depth at the room all across the board, the position develops and then counters uh, comes with it on the field and has clear-cut production. I also think it speaks well of Taylor Stubblefield and Penn State wide receivers in general when you have a Mitchell Tinsley, very highly regarded guy, transfer into the system. That's yep. a good sign. All right, Andy, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jen from Collegiate Athletic Travel. We've been offering travel to the biggest Penn State games for over 50 years. This fall, we continue that tradition in partnership with Keystone Sports Network with a trip to the Penn State Auburn game. Join us for charter flight, staying at the team hotel, transportation to and from the game, and even a great tailgate party at the stadium are included. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 1-800-788-4414. See you there. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. We are.
Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. 